Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome friends to Talking Transformative Love podcast. On today's episode, we have Mary Rellis Clark, who is a freelance journalist, a historian and an author. Thank you, Mary, for making the time for us. Well, thank you for asking me. Yes. Now, Mary, you were born and educated in the UK. Yes. What do you believe is the philosophy or belief system that shaped your childhood and continues to form who you are today? Well, when you sent me that question, I was quite challenged by it because there was very little life in the beliefs that I had as a child. It was a pre, it's pre-Vatican II. Yes. It was all about rules and regulations. Yes. And there's very little life in rules and regulations for their own sake. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't find that inspiring at all. And the one thing that really touched me very deeply on a soul level was a great aunt who lived in Edinburgh. Mm. And she and I had a really strong bond. I used to go and stay with her yes. as a child. And she saw spirits. She had ah. the sixth sense. She was not the least bit mad. Her yeah. brother, my grandfather, thought yeah. she was completely mad, but actually she wasn't. She was the most sane person that I yeah. knew. She saw the spirits in animals, in yes. of people, and of nature. Nature was very important to her. And of course now it's all the rage to understand how important it is to have nature in your life. Yeah, absolutely. But she knew that. Yeah. And she used to talk about that world of the spirits being more real to her than this world. And I used to worry about her because I was told very firmly that you're, the only way to salvation was through the Catholic Church. Mm. And I thought, well, she was not a Catholic. No. She was grown up in an Anglican. And I used to think she was going to have to go to purgatory and be trained. No. <laughs> and, <I> mean, <laughs> now, of course, <laughs> I realised how immature and I know those negative. beliefs are so unhelpful aren't they oh it was totally unhelpful yeah. really but she shone throughout my childhood and she ended up living with us when she had a stroke she brought her piano she used to play the piano every evening we stand around the piano and sing yes she was she was really quite wonderful and she's been with me all my life yeah yeah so that's, is that your, the spirituality that you've really... Um... The, other, the other source of spirituality for me was books. Yes. My mother was a great reader. We had a lot of books in the house. And two books shine for me. Yeah. One of them was called The Secret Garden. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read it. No, Francis Hodgson Burnett. I should, it's, though. It's, it's a very powerful book for a, for a young child, particularly a female child. What's it about? Oh, it's about a child who's born in India, her parents were British, and they died in an outbreak of cholera. Mm. And she was sent to live with an uncle in Yorkshire. Yes. And she was a very unhappy, angry, rude, unpleasant child. Mm. And it's, a really, it's about transformational love, yeah. actually. It's well, about healing. Yeah, like yeah. our podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And what's the other book? 
The other book was called The Small Miracle, and mm. it's by Paul Gallico, American writer. And it's about a young boy who was an orphan living in Assisi. Yes. He had a donkey, and the donkey got sick. He adored this donkey, and the donkey kept him alive. He used to earn money by carrying things on his donkey for people. And the donkey got sick, and he went to the local church of St. Francis. Yes. And said, can I take my donkey down into the crypt to be healed by St. Francis? And they said, absolutely not. We're not having animals in here. And there was the actual entrance to the crypt yeah. on the outside was mm. bricked up. And to the, he went to the bishop and the bishop flatly refused. And so he left the donkey with, with friends and he walked to Rome. Yes. Mm. And he eventually gets, I won't tell you all the detail of it, but he gets to have an audience with the Pope. The Pope sends a letter to Assisi saying, take those bricks down, let this donkey <laughs> in. <laughs> So it's another book about yeah. healing. Yeah. Another book of... So books are a way to access your spirituality. Oh, yes, yes, very yeah. much so. Mm. And I, know, I actually know you through the book that you've written called Loretto in Australia. I know you through that book because I was asked to read parts of that book as part of my formation and also getting to know what, what the story of Loretto's in Australia. What was the process of writing it like? Well, at first, it was very difficult. It was, t it was quite scary. Yes. I hadn't done a book of that length before. And I, I was quite shocked when I was actually chosen to write that, mm. to write the book, because I know that they interviewed quite a few people. Yeah. And I can remember the day that I went to sign the contract with Chris Burke. Yes. And I walked into her room in Albert Park, I think she was there. And she had this wonderful image of Mary Ward on her desk. And underneath it, she had the words, be such as you appear and appear such as you are. And those words just hit me. They just hit me in the heart, really. Mm. And I knew at that point it was, it was going to be okay. It wasn't going to be easy, but it was going to be okay. So what was it about those words? I don't know, actually. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed to me that they was the integrity of them. Yes. The authenticity. Yes, yes. It was really quite extraordinary because I knew nothing about Mary Ward. Nothing. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> and now you know a lot about Mary Ward. Well, like my aunt Alice, Mary Ward became part of my life. Mm. Her presence was very strong and, I, and she helped me in many ways. Yeah. In very practical ways, putting ideas in my head. Yes. Mm. Being there. I mean, she was a very strong woman, yeah. an extremely strong woman, very clear. I loved her writing. Her writing was not romantic and flowery like the 19th yeah. century writing, but very <laughs> clean, clear, and again. And practical. Yeah. Yes. And, and I suppose real. She's, she was a very real woman. Well, she was in, she came from the England of Shakespeare. Yes. And she was very well educated, clearly well educated. Mm. And she just wrote, she just wrote beautifully. Yes. But again, very practical. Mm. Yeah. She, her sisters went bogged down in rules and regulations. No, no. So how long did it take you to write that book? I think it was three years. Yes. So yeah. you would have got to know a lot about 
the sisters in Australia, the journey of Gonzaga Berry and... Uh, I had an amazing conversations with, I think, um, how many sisters, I can't even remember how many yeah. I interviewed, but dozens. And Jane Kelly was the sort of mastermind behind it. She would organise, she said, you must go and talk to so-and-so and you must go and talk to this person. Yes. And I went to York, to yeah. the Bar Convent. Oh, wow. Mary Ward was very powerful there. I, I tell you a story which is typical Mary Ward. The archivist was is a very, at that time, yeah. it's a very difficult woman. She was a bit of a gatekeeper. Mm. There was a room where people looking at the archives, they could sit and look at them. But yes. the archives themselves were in a different room. Mm. And... This woman said, well, what do you want to look at? And I said, well, I've really come to see what you, what you have on, on Gondaga Barry. And she said, well, I need to know exactly. That was the, the afternoon that I arrived. The next day I went and she said, well, we'll be here at nine o'clock and I'll be here. And we... So I got there and it was in this little room in the archives and she wasn't there. Mm. And the door opened and this tiny little sister came in, elderly. Yeah. And she said, I'm terribly sorry, but I um, can't even remember her name. She's had an accident. She was stung by a bee and she's allergic to bees. Oh. And she's in hospital. Yeah. So you've got me. And this woman, Mother Frances, was a legend. She knew the history like nobody else. Yes. She, I mean, that was such a gift to have a few days with her. And also... I'm a great believer in things don't happen by chance. No, I, I, I agree with you on that. And bees are often very symbolic. Yeah. All animals are symbolic of something. That was just amazing. But Mary Ward just cleared away any complications and mm. gave me the best person to talk to. Yeah. So Isn't that beautiful? I owe Mary Ward a great deal. Yeah. Now, I, I did a bit of research on you to get to know you. I did a bit of a Google search, but somewhere someone had written something about you, that you live in a factory in Fitzroy, which is not too far from here because we're yep. in Abbotsford at the moment, and you enjoy the luxury of writing in a book-lined study overlooking a leafy courtyard. And when I read, read that, I thought, <laughs> oh, this is so romantic. It makes me want to read, <laughs> and it makes me want to live in Fitzroy. It's very beautiful. Mm. Again, it was another gift. It was a miracle how, how I actually bought that place. It was a miracle. Yeah. I saw it advertised. And it was built in 1880, two-storey factory, divided wow. into two, the front section and the back section. I was looking somewhere to live at the time. The estate agent gave me a magazine with various places in it. And I, and I saw a photo of this place. And I just said, oh, I'm going to have to see that place. I'll never be able to afford it, but I just want to go and see it. Yeah. And I had coffee with a friend the next day who worked for the National Trust. And he put a flyer down on the paper and he said, I found your place. Oh, and wow. I said, really? Where? And it was the same. Wow. It was the same place that I had seen. And no, that's unreal. He knew the architect who had done the conversion, who actually had built himself a place right next door. And the miracle of it was that I was able to afford it. I bought it at auction. Isn't that amazing? It was 2004. meant for you. It was meant for you. It's, it's one of those buildings that people walk in and say, my gosh, what an extraordinary feeling this place has. Yeah, and, and a few people have told me that, uh, well, a couple of the sisters when I was 
asking them about this yeah. podcast. And they, they did say to me, your place is just very special. It is. So I need to come and see it soon. You do? Yeah. So do you down the road? Because, I mean, <laughs> I, I want to I sit there and, and write a book. <laughs> I couldn't write a book, but I'll try. <laughs> it's amazing. So I suppose living in this area as well is... Um... I've got a wonder... Well, this, the stretch of Napier Street that, where yeah. I live has been cut off a little bit by the primary school next mm. door. And there's only about eight houses in that section. And we all know each other really well. We get together regularly for a meal at Christmas. We always get together. That's beautiful. I mean, there's a great spirit in community. Yeah. And there's a wonderful community there. Mm. Now, to be an author means that you would have to have read a lot of books. Firstly, who is your favorite author? And what book would you recommend to younger people? Because we had a conversation about oh, you did. younger Jane people Austen, yes. <laughs> reading books. And then we talked about... TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we said that reading books has come back for younger people yeah. because of the influence of TikTok. Yeah. But it's actually influenced younger audiences to read more contemporary authors. What book would you recommend to young people and I think you did say some Jane Austen books well I've thought a bit more yeah. about it since then and it actually what what came into my mind was a lunch I went to in Brunswick Street some years ago one of those big lunches there were yeah. about a hundred people there long tables with people and I was sitting next to Robin Davidson who's an extraordinary woman and she wrote a very famous book called Tracks. Mm. They made a film of it two, three years ago. Yes. She took four camels, walked across Australia. She walked from Alice Springs to the coast of West Australia. Mm. And while we were sitting, having lunch, numerous people came up to her. They just came up to her and said, oh, excuse me, but I must tell you, your book changed my life. Yeah. And I was amazed at the numbers of people who said that to her. And I said to her, does that happen to you very often? And she said, all the time. It varied. Her mother committed suicide mm -hmm. and she found her. And she was a very unhappy young person. And she knew she had to do something to integrate herself. She had to challenge herself in some way in order to grow as a person, mm -hmm. which was a very mature concept when she about 21, 22, I think. Yeah. Maybe a little bit older. But she went to Alice Springs. She found somebody to teach her how to handle camels. Mm. And she spent two years learning. She, it wasn't easy. She had a dog. She was sleeping in different difficult places at times, but she, she actually did it. She, yeah. And she, the National Geographic sponsored her. She was reluctant about that because she hated the fact they sent a photographer who took photos of her. On yes, the, on, the on, the on the journey. But that was the price she mm -hmm. had to pay. And she, and she did it. She walked, she walked all the way. It took mm. her about nine months, I think. And she certainly changed her own life and the lives of others. Yes. A more transformative love. Yeah. It's it an extraordinary book. And I think it's a real... It's a book that my grandchildren studied at school. Mm. Uh, it's a book that really speaks to younger people, yeah. especially if they've had trauma in their life. Mm. 
I mean, that book has never been out of print. Yeah. It's, it's, mm. uh, and she's in my book, the book I've just written, Robin Davidson's one of the people I spoke to. Oh, isn't that fantastic? Yeah, yeah. And now you've mentioned transformative love a number of times. Yeah. Well, I think true love is transformative. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. How do where, you mean? Where, where, where in your life or when in your life have you experienced transformative love? I've experienced it at different levels. Mm. I've met a handful of people who were really saintly, not in the sense of being pious, but in the sense of being extraordinarily good people. Mm. Um, I remember going with my husband to his old school in Bath, it's a place called Downside, and we went to, we were going to see his old headmaster who was an abbot. Yes. We were having a difficult time at the time and I remember we're sitting waiting in this room and the door opened and this huge man came in. He had terrible arthritis, he couldn't walk easy, but he was very yeah. big. But he just embodied love in a way that I had never encountered before in a Catholic priest. Mm. The parish priest we had in London had no love in him at all that I ever saw. Yeah. Mm. But this man exuded love. It was wonderful. And uh, on another occasion I met a, a, a priest who had worked behind the lines during the war. Mm. Extraordinary. It's a great gift to meet people like that. Oh, absolutely. I've met a number of Loretto's who've got that quality. Mm. Yeah. Uh, who've got that, a freedom, a freedom to truly love in the way that, that means something. Yes. Mm. Uh, that's one of the things I admire most, I think, about, about the Loretto sisters. Mm. It's not their intelligence. They, they are wonderfully intelligent. It's that, that freedom of spirit. Mm. And I remember as a teenager, we used to read a lot of the lives of the saints and I'd find them really quite dull on the whole, except from Teresa of Avila, who shook yeah. her fist at God. Yeah. She had that freedom. <laughs> she was great. She's a wonderful woman. Yeah. yeah. She's real about life yeah. and yeah. struggle. And I yeah. think it's important to sometimes say to God, what's going on? What's happening here? Um, <laughs> And that's, uh, we spoke to um, one of the teachers at Loretto Ballarat yesterday, Felicity, yeah. and we talked about, you know, sometimes in life, women are often asked to uh, respond rather than react and respond. Yeah. So it's good to kind of show emotion and say, I don't yeah. understand what's going on here. Or, and I think Loretto's have that that energy, that spirit of saying... Well, that's Mary Ward at work. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't call themselves Mary Ward women for nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we, we've got to be, yeah, and, and yeah. we're, the, I guess, the movers and shakers. Speaking of Mary Ward, mm. what do these words mean to you? Let your vocation be constant, efficacious and affectionate. When I read those words, I immediately thought of the gift that I've been given with this book that I'm about to bring out. Mm. It came out of nowhere, really. I was reading, rereading Viktor Frankl, Man's Search yeah. for Meaning. Mm. And for him, that to have meaning in your life was so important, even in the concentration camp. Yes. And his theme throughout that book is the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. Mm. And 
It's got nothing to do with intelligence, it's got nothing to do with money. It's got to be with being that authenticity again, being yes. yourself. And the idea just grew in my head that people finding their purpose would often have gone through some sort of turning point. So that's how that book began to form in my mind. Yes. Mm. And I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful yeah. for it. Well, it's been amazing to have you here. It's been a real pleasure. And Thank you, Dwan. Thank you very much indeed. And it's... hopefully I'll come and see your place soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got my number now. That I do, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.